So I want to get right into the word of God this morning. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And um, I'm kind of picking up on the message that I, I started Thursday night. I didn't even know I was going to preach this message. And um, Thursday night I was going to preach something totally different. And, um, and God just really just, uh, when I walked inside my office, you know, uh, Thursday evening, I had a whole message planned. I sit down inside my office and then and God speaks one word to me. He says, you know, tell the people don't be distracted. Said, wow. Now, I mean, just mess my whole message up, you know. So <laughs> I came out here and I just preached that, you know. I thought I was going to lead into the other message, but I never got to it. <laughs> so then God, you know, just said, you know, really just kind of, you know, continue to move in that vein this morning. And I believe it's really needed, you know, because there's so many distractions in life. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it says there, you were running the race well. Who has interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth? You were running well. He said, you did, you did run well. He was telling the Galatian church, you, you did run well. Who hindered you? Who, who stuck their foot out and tripped you up? Who, who, uh, who distracted you? Who, who, who caused you to lose your focus? Because you were doing really good. You, know, you, were run, you were running really well. You know? What happened? What went down? What, what caused you to lose focus on where you were going? You were, you were doing good. You were running well. And it happens with a lot of people in life because you know, a lot of people are... are Good starters, you know, they can start something, but, but they never finish it. You know, it can be anything, you know, starting a business, starting you know, school, whatever, you know. You get started with something, you know, and you're gung-ho. Like, you know, you're real excited, you know, when you get started. See, getting started is, is, is exciting. But see, if you, don't have a, if you don't have enough on the inside of you, to not lose focus midway through, you'll never make it to the end. And it's not about starting well, it's about finishing. Because life is not a, you know, it's not a hundred yard dash, it's a marathon. It's a marathon, you're gonna be running this race and we all are in a race and we're all in our individual races. You know, we're not in competition with other people. You know, we're not competing against others. You know, we should be cheering people on. We should want everybody to do well. You know, that could be a distraction. You know, looking at how someone else is doing in comparison to you. Oh, they're doing better than me. Oh, they got this going. This is happening in their life and it's not happening for me. Why is it not happening for me? See, that can be a distraction. It can cause you to take your focus off of where you're going. Because everybody has a race that's set before them. And everybody's path is going to be different. So you can't compare yourself with somebody else and what they're doing and how they're doing and stuff like that. Because you have your own individual race to, to run and win. And I always like to, I liken it to, you know, I was watching a couple of years ago, I was watching the Olympics. And God said to me, see, that's how, this, that's how we should be in the body of Christ. See, because, you know, everybody on Team USA wants everybody else from Team USA to win. 
everybody. If I'm, if I'm a runner, I want the person that's swimming, that's the USA, to win. The basketball team, I want, I want the basketball team to win. I don't want you to lose, you know? I'm not rooting for you to lose. I, I want you to win. You know, I want, you, I want everybody on team, on team Jesus to win. <laughs> I want everybody to win. I want everybody to be successful. I want everybody to do well in life. I don't want nobody to, uh, to do bad. I don't want, I, it breaks my heart when I see people struggle and hurt. And we're, we're a body. And it says when one is, is, is crying, you know, when one is suffering, the whole body does or supposed to because we're a body. You know, I don't care, man. You know, if you, if you, uh, if you are walking and uh, you're in the dark or something like that and you stub your pinky toe, <laughs> guess what? The, it's not just your pinky toe that hurt. <laughs> the whole body hurts. <laughs> the whole body hurts. Have you ever had a toothache? If you have a toothache, man, ain't nothing on your body happy. <laughs> Rest of your body like, you know, it ain't sitting back like, oh, yeah, well, I'm glad that ain't me. No, the whole body is suffering. <laughs> that one little tooth got the whole body in an uproar. <laughs> you know, everything's hurting, you know. But that's how, but, you know, as a body, that's how vitally we're supposed to be connected. You know, we're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice, and we're supposed to weep with them that weep. When people do well, we're supposed to be like, yeah, man, congratulations. That's awesome, man. And then you say, I'm next in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Now I start looking at them. That's why the Bible says don't covet. Looking at them, envying what they have. You know, that's not what it's about. But anyway, I got to stay focused. Let me get back to my message. But, you know, he says, you were running well. You were running your race well. What happened? What hindered you? And I, I, I put this in my notes. I said, you know, I mentioned that in Thursday night, leadership class, I began to speak about this. And I was saying that you got to stay focused and not allow the enemy to distract you. you. Can't let the enemy distract you. And I put here, see, you know, the, the, the Bible says that you are running the race well. And I said, that reminds me of so many people. Most people start off so good and they're running a the race well. And I put, judging by their start, you would think that they're going to finish the race strong, judging by how they start. You know, they're gung-ho, they're excited, they're passionate about what they're doing. They jump on it, and they start running, you know. And you look at them and be like, man, look at them go. That person, man, they're they, they, they going to they gonna win this race. But I put here, but then life happens. And life happens, man. And when life happens, people get distracted. They lose focus and they stop running their race. And then oftentimes you see people just disappear. You, you, you're, you're doing well, man. You're excited. Then something happens. Life happens. Something goes down. And it takes your focus. And you stop running your race. And you start getting distracted about what's happening around you. And I put here, you know, I can't tell you of the countless people that I grew up with in ministry. People I consider to be like big brothers and mentors to me. 
that today you can't even find them. I mean, people that I watched, you know, I watched minister and stuff like, be like, man, I want to I wanna minister like that. I want to pray like that, you know, like, today, can't even find them. Looking around, like, what happened? Like, what, what happened to them? Sometimes making one major, just wrong decision. Now, some, I, met, I mean, a couple of people, you know, just married the wrong person. And I mean, just like, life's in shambles just because of that. Major decision, man. And I put here, you know, many people, uh, even to start off in this ministry, start off strong. They were running well. They were doing all the right things. Then, for whatever reason, they stopped. And it makes me ask the question that the Apostle Paul asked in this scripture. You know, he's talking to the Galatians church. And he says to them, who has interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth? Who, what happened to you? You were running well. What or who distracted you from running your race? Who stuck their foot out and tripped you up? Why did you stop running? You were doing, you were doing so well. And I put here, of course, it could be a thousand things that could have happened. It could be a thousand things. It all boils down to one thing, though, and that's distractions. Getting distracted. You got to stay focused. You got to continue running your race. You can't let what the devil is doing around you cause you to lose focus on what's ahead of you. Because one of his biggest attacks against people is to distract them. Because if he can distract you, he can trip you up. People trip when they're not looking where they're going. People fall when they're not. If they were paying attention, and then they would have never fall, fell into that ditch. They fell into it because they weren't, they weren't focused. Jesus called the Pharisees and said, they're blind leaders of the blind. And if, and if you got blind people leading blind people, they both going to fall into ditches. You got to keep your eyes open and you got to stay focused. Stop paying attention to everything that's going on around you. Because the devil will use any kind of situation to make you look in other directions instead of staying focused. Some go down on your job. School, a friend, betraying you. I mean, and any, any, anything he can do to get you distracted. Somebody in your family gets sick or something like that. Something, I mean, he'll use anything to just take you off focus. And here you are running your race, and you're doing well. And he just, and he's like, well, I got to do something. And then he will leave you and try to throw your distraction on you. So let me just, let me just get into some more scriptures here. Because I, you know, I want to make sure that I really kind of nail this thing down. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verses 18 through 23. Now, in this scripture, Jesus is giving us the parable of the sower. 
And this is a very, very interesting, you know, scripture. It really talks about, you know, when people are sitting in a, in a, in a service, right? Here we are in service. And the Bible says the sower sows the word. Here I am sowing the word of God. Now, one thing I want you to understand about the word of God is that the word of God is incorruptible. The word of God is full of power. You know, the, full of, the word of God is able to produce everything that it says that it can. The only thing that will determine whether or not the word of God will produce in your life, it depends on what type of ground you are. In other words, how you receive the word that's being sown. Because nothing's wrong with the word. The word is full of power. It, it, it ain't got, it's, it's always been full of power. There's, there's, there's no, it, it'll work. The word will work if you work it. So it all boils down to what type of ground are you? So in Matthew 13, 18 through 23, it says, listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand and grasp it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown by the wayside. So this is wayside ground. In other words, you hear the word of God. Everybody here is hearing the word of God. And some of you, before you can even walk out the door, the devil will steal that word from you. And it won't become productive in your life. You know, you'll get offended by somebody that don't say hi to you. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever crazy thing, you know. And, uh, and immediately, <laughs> that word that was, that was something, you just, you lose it. It can be anything, man. The devil is crazy, man. So, you know, we have wayside ground people, right? Then the one on whom seed was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and at once welcomes it with joy. Yet he has no substantial root in himself, but is only temporary. And when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls away. So now you have stony ground Christians, right? Who hear the word, right? And they, yeah, that's for me. In Jesus' name, I received that, you know. And then they go out, and then when something happens to them that's contrary to that, then they say, well, that, 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 that must not have been for me then. Because the devil will always try to attack the word that you receive. You try to, yeah, I receive, I'm going to be blessed in my finances. The devil attack your finances. Car break down, you gotta go fix it. <laughs> You're like, see, I can never get over that. I can never make it, you know. And see, the devil steals the word. Stony ground. But that's not the ground I want to talk about. I want to talk about this ground. It says, and the one on whom seed was sown among thorns. See, thorny ground, Christians. This is the one who hears the word. But the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitful, deceitfulness, the superficial pleasures and delight of riches choke the world, word and it yields no fruit. 
people that get distracted by the world and what it has to offer. See, that's what the devil really wants you to do, right? You're focused. And see, he wants you to look around at what the world has to offer. And that, that begins to choke the word on the inside of you, and it can't produce anything. It can't grow. And of course, finally, it's the one who's sown on good ground, right? This is the one who hears the word and understands and grasps it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields some 100 times as much as was sown, some 60 and some 30. So let's just really break this down. So in the parable of the sower, Jesus is talking about four types of ground, right? Three of them are not able to produce for varying reasons. Only one type is considered to be good ground. So that's the amazing thing, right? In a, in a church, like 25% of the people really get it and grasp it and begin to use it. That's how he's breaking it down. 25%. Four types of ground. 25%, you know, will be wayside. 25, stony. 25, thorny. And then 25% good ground. And then they receive to varying degrees. Some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So 30-fold, if you're good ground, but, only but you're a 30-folder, you're still missing out on 70% of God's best. So you have these grounds, right? Then the seed in this scripture, of course, represents the word of God, and the ground represents people. So whether or not the word produces in your life depends entirely on what type of ground you are. Again, the word is incorruptible and is always the same, and it has the power to produce a harvest in your life. What determines its ability to produce or to work in your life is you and what type of ground you choose to be. Not what type of ground you are, what type of ground you choose to be. Because we all make a decision on what we're going to do with that word once we receive it. And today I want to just talk about thorny ground just a little bit. So again, thorny ground are those that have allowed the devil to distract them with the cares of this world. And even though they hear the word, the word of God is choked out by their passions and their desires for this world. The voice of other influences are louder than the voice of God in their lives. They feel that if they truly follow God, they won't be able to, you know, have fun anymore. You, know, you can call it that, right? I know what that's like. Because before I started really walking with God, man, I just, you know. I remember I gave my life to Jesus in a tent meeting in Newark. I was uh, 17 years old, 16, 17, something like that. I never forget it, you know. I'm in this tent meeting. I'm sitting all the way in the back. I mean, the last row, man. And my mom is singing in the choir, you know. And uh, somebody's preaching. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, I'm just sitting in the back. I'm looking for girls. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just chilling out, you know. <laughs> All I remember is they gave an altar call. And, uh, you know, I ain't thinking about going up. You know, I'm sitting there. And there was this, there was this little, little boy sitting next to me and his mother. You're talking about a setup from God, man. So the woman said to me, can you take my son to the front, you know? <laughs> so he does like this, the little boy. 
And I took his hair, right? And I didn't take him to the front. He took me to the front. <laughs> it was a setup. <laughs> so I go to the front, you know. I give my life to Jesus, you know. And then they took us out. There was a big tent, and then there was a smaller tent, right? So, they, so I, we came out of the big tent. We went into this smaller tent. And here I am inside here, you know. And they said, we're going to pray for you guys to receive the Holy Ghost, you know. And um, as they're I mean, this is my first experience with God. Nobody touched me, nothing. But the power of God hit me. I, here, I mean, I'm not thinking about God, but the power of God hit me, and my hands raised up seemingly on their own. And I mean, the Holy Ghost hit me, man. I started praying in the Holy Ghost, man. I started speaking in tongues, man, you know. And I mean, immediately, man, I, 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 I felt the change, you know. So now, you know, the next day comes, and I had an experience with God. And here I'm, I'm talking to my friends, and I'm telling them I had experience with God, man. I'm letting them know, you know. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I can't, I, I just can't turn this world loose, man. I'm thinking, I, you know, I can't mess around women no more, you know. I can't, you know, I can't drink no more. I can't party no more. I'm thinking about all this stuff I can't do, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking about all of this stuff. And I'm like, man, I can't sell out to God right now, man. I'm too young, man. I mean, I got a lot of... <laughs> Good time and years left in me, man. Like, I'm, like, I'm really battling with this, you know. And I said, man, I, I can't serve God right now, man. I gotta, I, you know, I can't, you know. So I started, you know, I continued to do my thing. But there was a difference. Because when I started messing around doing my thing, you know. See, before when I did it, I was fine. You know, no problem. I was happy, you know. After I finished, man, when I was, when I, after I gave my life to Jesus, man, I would feel so grieved, man. I feel so bad on the inside. You know, I used to have visions of the Lord Jesus crying after I did something, man. I'd be like, oh, God, man, like, I feel so bad, you know. Man, you know. But I ran from God for, like, for, for, for a good amount of time. And I didn't really sell out until I was 24 years old. That's when I really, really, really started walking with God. But I just ran, man. But nothing I did worked. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember I tried to start a club. <laughs> I was always entrepreneurial. So I tried to start this club in East Orange. And I called it Club Taylors, you know. <laughs> and I opened up this club. And I remember, you know. Now, see, this is before, you know, I'm really walking with God, you know. So, you know, we give out these flyers. We had, you know, sexiest dress woman contests and all this stuff. You know, we're doing all this stuff. And here I am, you know, I get inside there. We got all of these bottles of champagne. I never forget it, man. Me and my friends, we start drinking, you know. And these guys came from nowhere, man. I don't know where they came from. But they came inside there. And they tore the place up, man. We was fighting these guys, man. I mean, we, I mean, <laughs> before we can even get started good, man, they... They tore the DJ equipment up. I mean, we was fighting these guys on the elevator, man. It was crazy. It was crazy, man. I mean, I was shut down before I could get started. <laughs> it was like God would just sabotage stuff that I tried to do, man. Man, you know... <laughs> You know, I was, um, you know, I was, I was in my college, you know. I was in my college. Here I am selling, you know, I'm selling weed, you know. And I had a connection, man, a real, you know, a real connection in uh, New York. Bottom line is, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know. 
<laughs> I get in trouble with the cops, man. And I almost go to jail, right, for, for some time. So there was other stuff involved in it, but I won't get into all that. But the bottom line is, you know, I never forget, man. I start praying. I said, God, you know, you know here I am. Now I will pray, right? Whenever I got in trouble, man, I knew how to pray, man. I mean, I knew how to pray. When I, got, when I started getting too deep for me, man, I, I knew how to pray. You know, so I'm like, all right, God, you know, I said, I promise you, you know, you get me out of this. You know, I'll stop selling drugs. I'll be done with this stuff, you know. So, I mean, he I mean, supernaturally delivered me from this situation, you know. I mean, it was nothing but God. Here I am. I'm on a, I'm um, in my dorm. That's the first time I heard, I heard God. I'm in my dorm room. I'm selling like crazy still, right? And I go to the bathroom. I never forget this. I went to the bathroom, and I heard God said, I thought you said that if I got you out of this, you'd never sell the drugs again. I'm in the bathroom in my dorm, you know? And I got so convicted, right? I come out. I must have had maybe 300 something dollars worth of stuff left on me. I called all these guys that I knew, you know, they smoked like crazy. I said, come over here. So they all came over. I said, look, give me $20, man. <laughs> and I gave everything away. And I got rid of everything, and that was it. I was done with that. I was finished, man. But I mean, so God was always present, man. But, you know, but the, the cares of this world, man, they were choking the word of God in my life. I, can't, I couldn't give it up, man. And then I never forget it, you know, here I am, I, I, I finally I surrender. And I really sold out. When I sold out, that was it, man. I stopped messing around with everything. I remember I was in Florida, and something went down with my uncle. And uh, I spent some time with him, and, and, and God really used him to minister to me. And I said, that's it, man, I'm going to serve God. That's it. And I got me a Bible, and uh, I said, I'm going to serve God. I came home. I, I'm about to date myself. I came home. I had... <laughs> I opened up my drawer. I had all these girls' telephone numbers in there. It was all written on these little pieces of paper. <laughs> I took all those pieces of paper. I balled them up and threw them in the garbage, you know. And then I had all this alcohol underneath my kitchen sink. <laughs> I poured it all down the, down the drain. <laughs> and then I had this box like this full of mixtapes. Mixtapes. <laughs> hip-hop, all kinds of stuff on it, man. I took that stuff. I threw it in the garbage, man. I said, I'm done. I'm serving God, you know. <laughs> I mean, I purged myself, you know. And I started serving him, you know. And I remember, you know, I, um, I started off in the choir, you know, playing piano, you know. And um, I was leaving rehearsal. It was late, like 10-something at night. I'm leaving rehearsal. And I said, you know, I'm going to go over to uh, Burger King on Central Avenue, East Orange. So I'm riding down. Now, back then, again, I'm going to date myself, there were two clubs, the Peppermint Lounge. Now, I was, in, I was just about getting old enough to get into the Peppermint when I gave my life to Jesus. But I was getting in there before anyway. But so, And then a block down the street, it was Gregory's. Now, do you remember? <laughs> Gregory's was for like, you know, college kids, you know, that was, you couldn't get in the peppermint, so you went to Gregory's, you know. 
So both of them got lines out the door, you know, and I'm riding down the street going to Burger King. And I look and I, I mean, that's when it hit me. I said, man, I said, I don't, I don't miss that. I'm, I'm looking, they about, they about to do their thing and I know what it's like because I started drinking before I got there. I mean, I ain't wait till I got there. I started drinking before I got there. And, and I'm like, I know exactly what's about to go down. And I'm looking, I'm like, I don't miss that. I'm thinking to my mom, like, wow. You know, but, and it made me realize how distracted the devil had me. Thinking that I was going to be missing out on something. And I'm, and I'm like, wow, you know. And, and I always tell people, I say, you know, I don't have regrets. I try not to have regrets and stuff like that because... Everything I did made me, you know, ultimately who I am today. So I don't try not. But if I was to say I have a regret, it's this, that I didn't decide to serve God sooner and just sell out. When I was 16, 17, just really just give my life to Jesus. I believe that I could have been a whole lot further in life had I done that. I'm doing well and God is blessing me and stuff like that. But, you know, it just, you know, you, you think that you're missing out on something and you're not. Being on this side is so much sweeter, man. I mean, serving God is just, it's just so beautiful, man. I mean, I, I was this morning, you know, I'm, I'm in prayer, you know. I'm spending time with God just really just in prayer. And God just, I mean, he really just speaks to me. It, it's so crazy because you think that, um, you know, God is not concerned about certain things, right? So I got a meeting in two weeks, and I have to come up with this agenda, you know, for the meeting. And I'm sitting there, you know. It took me hours normally. I'm, I'm in prayer, just really just glorifying God. And he gives me the whole agenda in like 15 minutes. I mean, the whole agenda done. I just, I just put it in my, in my phone while he was talking to me. Boom, boom, boom. I just put it all down. And then he gives me, you know, then, you know, I wrote a book. And I'm writing another book now that he gave. And now he gave me two more books. You, you, and you know, you, and you think that, you know, God's not concerned about stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's amazing, man. I'm just sitting there, just spending time with God. And he's saying, okay, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. So anyway, I mean, let me just, let me continue to move on this thing. But I just put here, you know. See, this love for the world, it begins to hinder your walk with God. The word of God can't produce fruit because their lifestyles, it hinders it from producing. And I put here, see, people believe that the world has a little more to offer than God does. But of course, that's the deception of the devil. Because the pleasures of sin, they only last for a season. And when the season is over, Destruction follows. The pleasures of the, you know, the Bible says concerning Moses that he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because sin is pleasurable. Because if it wasn't, nobody would do it. But, but the pleasure only lasts for a season. Because it makes promises that it can never keep. Sin can't keep a promise, man. It leads you to destruction. I think about that in a, an alcoholic's life or a drug addict's life. 
It's pleasurable when they first get started until they're addicted to it. And then they can't last or survive without it. And then it's no more pleasurable. So you got to stay focused, man. You got to stay focused. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read real quick verses 1 through 4. This is one of the scriptures that I was talking about on Thursday night. But Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 4. It says there, and I'm reading in the Amplifier version. It says, therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. It says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance or every unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings and entangles to us. So it says there are two things we need to deal with. There, is, there, is, there are weights that are on us, oftentimes. And then sin will weigh you down. You can't be living in sin and, 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 and think you're going to be able to run this race. So he says, throw off everything that will weigh you down. Everything that's holding you back. Everything that's stopping you, every weight that's weighing you down is stopping you from running your race at the peak performance. Throw it off of you. You know, those weights could be, you know, a negative thought you have about yourself. It could be failures from your past. It could be what people said about you. It could be doubt, you know, fear. You know, these weight, I mean, these things can just weigh you down and stop you from running your race like you're supposed to run it. But it says you have to take all that stuff off, get rid of the weight, get rid of the sin, and then it says, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. And this is the key. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Look away from everything that will distract you and stay focused on Jesus. Who is the leader or who is the author and finisher of our faith. And then it talks about how focused the Lord Jesus was. As an example, it says he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So he had to stay focused because there were a lot of distractions in Jesus' time. And people calling him the devil. You know, people, oh, he's the carpenter's son. You know, who is he, you know? He had to stay focused. Judas betraying him. You know, he had, every step of the way, he had to stay focused. Challenging the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the doctors, all of them challenging him at every stop. Every place he goes, he's being challenged by somebody. He had to stay focused. Who for the joy that was set before him. See, I, I always keep saying this, but Jesus never went to the cross. He went through it. Because there was something on the other side that he was that he was running for. And that enabled him 
to go through what he had to go through. See, the only way you're going to be able to go through what you have to go through is by looking ahead to the prizes on the other side. See, the Israelites focused on the wilderness. They lost focus because of what they saw in the wilderness. But they were leaving Egypt to go through the wilderness, to go to the promised land. But they were too focused on what was happening while they were under, we don't have anything to eat, we don't have anything to drink, you know, it's, there's giants, you know, I mean, everything, distractions. Everything's taking their focus. Instead of focusing on the promised land, we're about to go to the promised land. See, many of you are you're on a journey. You're on your way to the promised land. But you're looking at everything else that's in your wilderness. You're being distracted. This person saying this. That person saying that. This is happening. That's happening. Instead of focusing on where you're going, you're concentrating on what people are doing. And see, that's spiritual warfare at its best. And the devil knows how to operate it. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So where we are, there's a hierarchy of demonic forces that are using people, but he got us fighting people when we should be fighting the devil. And here we are, cursing people out, you know, ready to fight and stuff like that, you know, going off, getting crazy. And the devil's just laughing. Because he, he got you distracted. He got you to lose focus. So he's just laughing. Yeah, you sure did give up a piece of your mind, didn't you? <laughs> just sitting there laughing. <laughs> yeah, she definitely won't do that again. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're all focused. If, you, if all you do is look at Facebook and Instagram, you'll be so off focus. You're looking at what people are doing. This cop is doing this over here, and there's people, white people doing this over there, and all of this. You, you get so off focus that you can't even think about where you're going. I think how your mind all messed up. You reading that stuff, man. People start commenting and stuff like that. And you reading the comments. You be like, and you be, you be ready to go crazy reading some of those comments. And meanwhile, the devil got you off focus. Because now we're focusing on people. Instead of the fact that the, the devil is using people to incite us to get us rowdy, to get us to go crazy. You know, he's, use, he's using people. We're not wrestling against people. All right, I, 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 I guess I gotta keep moving, man. But it says, looking away from all that will distract, stay focused on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
See, because he was willing, because he didn't allow himself to be distracted, he's now seated at the right hand of God. I mean, waiting until his enemies become his footstool. You know, he, he, he wasn't, you, know, you didn't catch him down here. They already are accusing him of all this stuff. Bible says, you know, he didn't say a word. He didn't open his mouth. They're accusing him of this, accusing him of that, you know, just like, didn't say a word. Pilate says, you know, don't you know I got the power to release you? He said, man, you ain't got no power at all. That's my father gave it to you, man. And just, he focused, man. I mean, he's focused. <laughs> I mean, he just focused, man. And see, he came to live this life as an example so that we will learn how to stay focused. Not worrying about what everybody else is doing. Stay focused on the mission. Now, aren't you hungry, Jesus? My meat is to do the will of the, the, my father who sent me, man. That's my meat. You know, I'm saying I'm focused on the mission. So then it says, this is, now this is it. He says, just think of him who endured from sinner, sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. And then this is the key. He says, reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials. In other words, consider what Jesus had to go through and then line it up and consider it in comparison to what you have to go through. I mean, think about everything he had to go through and then compare that to what you have to go through. Here's the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, you talk, I don't, you don't understand, you know. He's, he hasn't been through it all. You don't understand what I'm going through. <laughs> they're, they're, they're rejecting me, right? I came, he came to his own, his own received him not. Own people he created with his hands. People, I mean, made people and he came to his own and received him not. <laughs> These people, they betray me. Judas comes up to him. Good. You know, we, 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 you know, I said this on Thursday, but we, we limit the importance of Judas in Jesus's life. This is a good friend, man. This is not like some, just some guy. He personally chooses him out of thousands to, to be one of his 12 apostles, man. He personally chooses him and then gives him a position, makes him a treasure. I mean, I mean, this guy, He's, he's traveling with Jesus. He's eating with him, sleeping where he's sleeping. I mean, this guy's a friend, man. Jesus at the last day, supper, focus. You know, passing out, you know, the bread, the wine. He says, you know, Judas, get ready to get up. He said, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. He stays focused, man. Then he comes, you know, and Betrays him with a kiss. I mean, it, betrayal don't get no worse than that. <laughs> don't get the, the the pearly knife. Don't get don't get dug no deeper than that. <laughs> I mean, kissed him. Hell, master. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> whoa. I mean, it, this it threw Jesus off a little bit. He said, "You gonna, you gonna betray me with a kiss?" Like I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, I even had 
Throw him off. He knew it was going to happen. He's still just like, I can't, even though I knew it was going down, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> you going to betray you or kiss me and betray me? That's some dirty dog stuff, man. I mean, that's so. So, yeah, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like. Bible says we don't have we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities for he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. One of the reasons why he came to this earth was to empathize. Because as God he, the father doesn't know what it's like to be tempted to sin cuz God can't be tempted with evil neither can it. Neither does he tempt any man. But Jesus in his humanity was tempted. As God, he never was hungry, thirsty. He experienced what that was like when he was here. That's why he sympathizes with those that are hungry. Because he knows what it's like. Bible says that although he was rich, yet he became poor for our sakes, that we through his poverty might become rich. When he was on that cross, he experienced poverty. He had nothing. Not even a tomb to be buried in. Had to borrow a tomb. It took all of his clothes off of him. You know, as bad as it looks on movies, it was worse. And he took all of that upon him so that we could go free. So now he's saying, hey, man, consider all that you have to go through. Line it up with what I had to go through. And it says that. If you don't do that, then you're going to grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, and fainting in your mind. If you don't consider what he had to go through, and see, because no matter what happens in our life, it's always huge to us because it's happening to us. It's always big because it's, 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 I'm going through it. And I always say this, you know, but, you know, you know, we as people, we care more about our headache than someone else's cancer. It's happening to me, man, you know. I'm going through. And when you're going through, all you can think about is what you're going through. And Jesus said, and, and the Bible says that if you, if you can take your mind off of yourself and think about, what he had to go through, you'll never grow weary and faint in your minds. And you'll be able to stay focused. Because he's been through it all. And it says, you have not struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. <laughs> you ain't going through that much. Maybe going through some stuff. <laughs> but not to the point where you had to pour out your own blood. Like the Lord Jesus had to. So you got to stay. So the bottom line is you just, you got to stay focused. We're in a race. 
And I put here, remember the story of Peter walking on the water to Jesus. As long as Peter kept walking and was focused on Jesus, he was successfully walking on water. But the moment that he shifted his focus from Jesus to the strong winds, he instantly began to sink. Quite a few times we've stepped out on faith only to allow the enemy to distract us once we got out there. You were doing fine. You were running well until you start listening to the enemy. You were all right until you began to focus on what he was doing. You were doing well until you started looking at the storms of life. And that's why it's so important to stay focused on Jesus and on the word that God spoke to you. Keep your eye off the storm. The wind is going to blow. You have to realize it. It's going to blow. And I noticed I didn't say it might. It's going to blow. Things are going to happen. Situations are going to go down. You're going to go through the attacks of the enemy. Somebody will irritate you on your job. A friend might betray you or hurt you. Bottom line, stuff is going to happen. But never forget that when God wants to bless you in a particular area, the devil will come to attack that area. If you want to get a clear idea of where you're going, look at the area that the enemy's attacking you in. That'll give you a good indication of where you're headed. Because he only attacks those things because he wants to distract you from them. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to, to, he can't stop you from getting it but he can distract you and he can cause you to give up on it. Never forget, the Bible says you will reap if you faint not. The only thing that can stop you from reaping is you fainting, giving, getting weary and fainting in your mind. And I put this is all done in an attempt to cause you to lose focus. And if you lose focus, you'll begin to sink. If you take your eyes off Jesus and focus on the storm, the storm of life will begin to overcome you and swallow you up. And if he can distract you, he can defeat you. So you got to stay focused on God's mission. Stay focused. He wants you to lose focus looking at the storms of life. This is happening, that's happening. When God is able to deliver you from all of that in a moment's time. Just stay, just keep your eyes focused on him. All of us have a finish line. And we got to keep running till we hit that finish line. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't give up. Don't lose focus. And I love this scripture. Psalms 119, I got to close. But Psalms 119, 27, it says, Make me understand the way of your precepts so that I will meditate and focus my thoughts on your wonderful works. So you got to focus your thoughts on the wonderful works of God. Make me understand the ways of your precepts so that I will meditate and focus my thoughts on your wonderful works. Let me focus my thoughts on you. Let me stop thinking about everything that's happening going on around me. Let me focus my thoughts. You got to focus your thoughts 
on the word. See, the, the enemy will start trying to get your mind to focus on everything that's happening contrary to the word. But the word of God, it's, it supersedes. It's a higher truth. It sits on top of every fact of life. I got to close, man. I got to close. And I put here, the main part of you that needs focus is your mind. Your mind is what the devil attacks to get you distracted from the things of God. You see, the devil, see, the devil just doesn't want you to be focused. Now, the only thing he wants you to focus on is what's happening to you. That's it. That's the only thing the devil wants you to focus on. He wants you to focus on earthly and temporal things. Everything this world has to offer. Again, they're here for a moment. They're gone tomorrow. But that's what the devil wants you to focus on. While people that we know, you know, I mean, it's crazy, man. People that we know, man, they go to, they go into hell in a handbasket. And we're focused on, you know, stupid stuff, you know. Things that don't mean much, things that are going to disappear when this world ends. I was telling my, we were talking to my wife yesterday. I said, you know, the bottom line is this. I said, man, I said, I said, you know what's going to be the difference? You know, some people will make it to heaven by the skin of their teeth. You know, they made a confession, but, you know, they're living lukewarm lives and stuff like that. I said, you know, I said, you know what the difference is going to be? I said, the only thing, only what you do for Jesus is going to count for eternity. And I said, you can do all of this stuff, make all of this money and, you know, do all of these different things, you know, to please yourself while you're here and focus on what's happening in this world and stuff like that. And you, you're not focusing on the things of God. Because when this world ends, if you do make it in, right, then you will get there and there will be no rewards. Because I was always think, I used to be like, you know, one question I always had to, uh, you know, to God was like, you know, well, you know, what's the difference between me? Here I am, I'm serving God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm, I'm, I'm serving you with all my heart, you know, I'm working for you, you know. I said, what's the difference between me and a person, you know, they, they don't serve you all their life and they're on their deathbed and they decide I'm going to give my life to Jesus and they give their life to Jesus. What's the difference between me and that guy, you know. And he says, well, they're going to make it into heaven but they've had no opportunity to store up any rewards in heaven. So you get there, and thank God you're there because it's better than being in hell, but at the end of the day, there's, there's no rewards. You know, there's no, well done, my good and faithful servant. servant. You know, there's none of that. You know, you just, you, you're in. And you can make all this money here and then, you know, I never seen nobody, you know, with no U-Haul truck behind them as they're going up into heaven. <laughs> Put all of their possessions in it, you know. Every possession, you're going to leave it right here. And someone else is going to use it. All you, only thing you're going to take with you is what you did for Jesus while you were here. That's it. The lives you've touched, people you've saved, you know, people you ministered. That's it. Yo, 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 the work you've done for Jesus, that's it. And then it'll be according to your motives. Because that's the major judge. Because Jesus said, you know, 
you know, these Pharisees, you know, they make, they make loud you know, these prayers, you know, to be applauded of men. He said, I'll tell you, they have, they have their award. If you do what you do here to be seen of people, their applause is your reward. He says, but you, when you pray, you know, go into your secret place. Go into your closet. And your father, which sees you in secret, he'll reward you openly. You pray and you fast. And, you know, people fast. He said people, they fast, you know, and, and they disfigure their faces, you know. What's wrong, man? I'm fasting, you know. Be seen of men, you know. He said they, have, they already have their reward. Oh, how, look how spiritual they are. You know, fasting, you know. You already have your reward. He said, when you fast, man, put, you know, anoint yourself. Man. Don't even look like you're fasting. Motives, man. Everything when we get up there is going to be tried by the fire. Everything that we've done is going to be tried. He said, there'll be wood, hay, and stubble. These are all things that are symbolic of the flesh. Things that you have done with a wrong motive or stuff like that, and they'll go up underneath that fire and they'll burn up. No reward. And then there's the precious metals, the gold, the silver, and precious stones. When they're going underneath the fire, it's just purified, and then you get a reward for those things that you've done here. I say, when I get there, man, I want, I want eternal rewards. I want, a, I want a mansion, man. I'm believing God. He said he went there to prepare a mansion for me. I want a mansion, man. Big one. <laughs> I want eternal rewards, man. And it says, store up not treasures here on earth where robbers break in and steal it. So, but store up treasures in heaven where no robbers can break in and steal. We got we to start. You know, this, this world, man, is wrapping up. You can tell, man, I mean, all of this lawlessness that's happening in this world. I mean, this world just getting lawless. I mean, it's amazing. You, we're even having a conversation now that if a, if a baby that was aborted lives, whether or not the, you know, a doctor can, can uh, you know, keep the baby alive, that's a discussion. And most of the Democrats that people love voted against it. And here we are sitting here, you know, all focused, thinking about all this other stuff. And this, and this world is wrapping up. And we better start, you know, really considering, you know, like, okay, what am, what am I doing for Jesus, man? You know, it's good to make money. It's good to, you know, do different things. But what am I? I need to get focused on Jesus, man. Stop worrying about all this other stuff. And that's why I said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things. That's why that he, he, he made that statement so that he can say, see, you don't need to focus on that. People that are, that are, the Gentiles are worrying about these things. People that don't know God, they worry about this stuff. You don't have to. Stay focused 
on the kingdom of God and his right, and not all those stuff, I just give that to you. That stuff ain't nothing to God. I just give it to you. So we gotta, we just gotta, we just gotta stay focused, man. It's crazy, man. You just gotta know who you are in this time. You know, people picking all these political sides at the end of the day, man. I'm not Democrat, I'm not Republican, I'm Christian. I mean, I'm here, I'm here to serve God, man. Not no political party. I'm serving God, man. And we just gotta get focused, man. Stop worrying about all this other stuff. All right, I got to close, man. I know it's getting late. I feel like it warmed up in here. <laughs> Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us that word to stay focused, to not get distracted to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. He gave us the perfect example. He took upon himself everything that we would have to go through in life. He's been rejected. He's been mistreated, abused. He's experienced everything that we had to go through, yet he stayed focused because his eyes was focusing on all of us getting saved, being here today. That was his focus. He had a joy that was set before him and he was willing to go through the cross, allow himself to experience all that shame. He just despised the shame. And because he was willing to go through it, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Father, grant us the grace to stay focused, to keep our minds stayed on you, to look past everything that we're going through to what we're going to. And Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a praise for his word. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, God, we thank you and we worship you. Amen, 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 amen.